0: FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalon.
2: You're listening to Room 104. You can get the podcast on all the usual podcast places, you know, by now, wherever you do. Uh, Right now we're doing my worst gig, so you get to hear from some of the best comedians around in the country gigging about some of their worst experiences ever on stage. Joining me now is the man behind the Bray Comedy Festival who's gigged all over the country, Mr. Adam Burke. Adam, how are you?
1: You, thanks for having me on the show. It's a, it's
2: a pleasure. Hey, it'll start off being a pleasure and then we'll get into the deep, dark, uh, the memories that you've tried to repress about your uh, <laughs> your worst I gigs. I've spent good stage. money
1: on therapy now and you're starting to <laughs> rake it all away, you know
2: what I mean? I uh, know, undoing it. I'll undo years <laughs> of clinical progress in, uh, in a <laughs> short 10 to 15 minute conversation. Come here, how long are you doing stand up?
1: I've been doing stand up, I'd reckon about 13 years now at this stage. So, um, yeah, started off um, as a newbie, desperate for stage time and finding it very hard to get stage time um, because there were so many um, comedians and so little uh, or so few clubs. Um, And then I eventually decided to open my own club, which eventually led to uh, building my own festival. Um, so it was kind of a case of, if you're not going to book me, I'm going to create the opportunities myself to book myself, you know what I mean? But yeah. um, it means I've be- become part promoter and part stand-up comedian.
2: Um, so what age were you doing your first gig?
1: I would say I was about twenty. I reckon I was when I did my first gig and which actually you know by today's standards is quite late because I see some people coming into it and they're only 18 19 and 20 years of age and I think that's a good age to come into comedy and to do your first gig because uh, the first gigs are tough gigs
2: So Whereabouts was was your first gig? Can you remember your first one?
1: Yeah, my very first one was in a place called Flowing Tide. It was Neptune Comedy Club at the time. And um, it's not far from the Laugh Lounge, which is a very well-established comedy club um, in Dublin. Um, so I remember, yeah, going to the gig, I remember passing the laughter lounge, and I remember my heart being in my throat at that stage, because we were about one hour away from the gig, and I kind of realised, going into it, like a lovely full room and lots of experienced comedians, I realised I was the most likely person to stink the room out that night, and that reality hit me very hard and very quick, so it was daunting, but I think once you do your first gig and move on, I think they become easier for you.
2: How, how did that first gig go, though?
1: It went very well actually by first gig standards. I was very lucky. I was given a lovely intro, and a friend of mine is a comedian, so he had done some time before me to kind of you know warm them up and get them in the mood for the gig and all the rest of it. So that that really really helped. They were on my side from the beginning. So as first gigs go, it, w- it wasn't bad at all. Um, it was about two or three gigs later, maybe before I had the first gig, where I was like questioning <laughs> why I was getting into comedy in the first place. So they were kind on the first one. I think if they weren't, I. Probably would have ran away forever
2: yeah because I, I remember starting off that fear uh, the, the massive fear that I had starting off was that you know there 's no problem doing a presentation because it doesn 't have to be funny, but you you have to go into a room full of people and you have to make them laugh and I remember thinking the pressure you put yourself under around that is is insane, but then you realize usually they 've paid to laugh so one they're kind of they want they want to laugh they're not trying to stop themselves laughing so they can be generous enough and especially for your first couple of gigs whether you're, if you're at an open mic night and even if you're not and the MC does a good job of saying listen this is this guy's or girl's first gig they can be really really supportive and then that can be happy days but everyone peaks a little early and then it's a couple of gigs in where you think this is easy this is grand no problem and then oh god
1: yeah absolutely and in those early days you're kind of taught to take every gig, take every opportunity to do stage line. And I agree with that to the point of take every gig in a comedy club but then what happens is you start doing any old gigs you know what I mean Um, they're they're part music nights part comedy or poetry or spoken word or you end up doing charity gigs for some cause and you realise they're not comedy audiences that haven't paid in to have a laugh and they're going to be the least supportive people of all Do you know what I mean so I I do agree with taking all the gigs but take them in comedy clubs because um, otherwise that's when you get into that dangerous worst gig territory
2: So what have been Some of your favourite Worst gigs Over the last couple of years
1: I think For me There's been a few um, And I would start With charity gigs um, (laughs) To begin with Um, I would say Do charity gigs When you're a seasoned comedian But if you're only starting out um, Don't um, because they are ultimately a bunch of people who want to support a cause and not necessarily support you. So you almost begin to impose on their night. Um, and you quickly find in comedy your audience. I remember one of my first comedy gigs was made up, and I don't say this in a disrespectful way, but of an age demographic that was much, much, much older than the people I would generally appeal to. Oh, you're being an ageist now, Adam. Yeah, you can't I say know. It's a, Yeah, ta- I it's, it's, You've been cancelled. It's the era of the snowflake, so I may upset uh, some of the older generation, but the reality is they were all way, way too old, and also not really there for comedy. They were there for the cause, and I just became this young, brash, you know, young lad on stage telling jokes that they really didn't want to hear, and that was soul-destroying. Because I thought, going out to the gig, the numbers in the audience were quite big. And I was like, well, that's good. It's good to gig in front of, let's say, 100 people when you're starting out as a new comedian. Not when you're gigging in front of 100 people and 99 of them want you to stop gigging. That becomes a very uncomfortable scenario to be in. And worse still, I wasn't there to do a spot. I was there to host a two-hour show and then you always notice it's a next level of bad gig when they say to you, and will you do the raffle as well? And you have to go through all the prizes and pull out all the raffle tickets to all the people who you've essentially, um, you know, ruined their night, with your comedy shenanigans. So that was one of my earliest kind of uh, ventures into that. Now, of comedians w- would tell you nowadays that I'd be a, a comedian who supports an awful lot of kind of charity gigs um, even still but now I do it in a way that it's uh, very much set up for comedy and people know they're coming for a comedy night and that the, uh, the proceeds of that will go to a charity and that's a better way of doing
2: it. So you know when you were you're, when you're hosting that gig now I mean was it a case of dead silence on stage or was it a case of uh, like were you bringing on other acts or was there other musicians on or what was the Yeah
1: this I was bringing on music Musicians and I was and when I say musicians, like it went from death metal to somebody <laughs> playing the tin whistle, and um, it was just whatever they could rally up in, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, on the notice. And then I'm giving away. I actually I remember laughing so much because when I uh, gave away one of the prizes, a lady came up and she was definitely in her seventies, and it was a 100 euro tattoo voucher, and I just it, it just put the the punctuation on the whole night, she didn't want the prize. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like she didn't want anything to do with it. But it just handing it over and you could just see the, the, the look in her eyes and it was just kinda of, it was it was pure disgust. As if I had kind yeah. of, you know, dictated that she should get the tattoo voucher and she should go and get actually the look she gave me was the look as if I had just given her a tattoo not a tattoo voucher but I just tattooed my set onto her forearm that's how she looked at me and I was just like this is bleak
2: yeah I mean I've always said everyone I've spoken to has always brought up a charity gig because they're just (laughs) they're just wrong for comedy because one as I said people are there to support a really good cause as opposed to Wanting to laugh, and usually I've always found I did one or two charity gigs that t- turned out to be a little bit awkward when halfway through it they bring up like the overall organiser to say a few words, and they just bring the whole mood down because it's not a happy thing that we're raising money for. It never is, you know. And yeah, they bring it yeah. up, and the person's like, "Just thank you so much," is that My whole whole family have 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 been affected by this, and we're so <laughs> glad that you're here. And it just gets lower and lower, and then it's like, ah, uh, now Adam.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly, like, oh, okay. yeah. Oh, no, listen, charity gigs are a red flag, but as I say, unless you're a seasoned comedian and then you get to really ask the questions that need to be asked before you set up the gig, you know, so I'm not saying charity is a bad idea. I think in your early days as a comedian, um, stick to the clubs.
2: So apart from um, that dodgy charity gig that you had to do, has been there any other ones where you've been kind of like going, oh, God.
1: Well, I give you, Good one and this one comes um only over the last couple of weeks. I did have a gig that I was really really fearful of before I went into the gig um, and that was Mountjoy Joy I did a gig in Mountjoy um about about three weeks ago. Um, with a few friends of mine who are comedians and very well established comedians, and um, we'd been asked to go in to celebrate um, some um, uh, you know some of the prisoners had basically upskilled and they'd sat state exams and they'd got you know I mean they'd kind of come through um, rehabilitation programs and stuff like that. so the reward to them um, was a comedy gig and I was asked would I do it and it was one of those ones when you're 13 years in comedy, it's very seldom that you're put in a situation where you're like, "Oh God." you know what i mean where you you feel you know the the couple of butterflies in your stomach again or you're like you know can i do this and this was one of those and that excited me uh until i actually went into the prison mm-hmm. and walked into the room with 80 prisoners and saw their reaction as we came in like it was intimidating now the other side of that is once the gig started it was without shadow of a doubt one of the best gigs i've ever done i had so much fun I had such a good gig as did all the comics and we were really well received but there was just that moment when we walked into that room everything up until the moment we walked into that room was questioning am I doing the right thing here going into a prison like am I mad what what kind of a kick am I getting out of this but I really (laughs) believed in that idea of rehabilitation and being a person who works in the community like I know the value of that and um, you know I wanted to kind of test myself and put myself into that scenario
2: Come here, did you did you know the crimes that they had done?
1: So we we knew that none of the prisoners that were there were there for you know crimes that would kind of be life sentences and the likes. So we knew they weren't kind of um, murderers. Yes, exactly. Ah, like, that and, would be a and, different gig altogether, wouldn't it? As well, but what, what, we, what we got um, was the sense that all of these prisoners, in a very non-judgmental way, had made strides and efforts within the prison system to change their life around. And that was something that really sold it to me. And I wanted to mark, um, you know, how I felt about that by, by taking part in this process. But going in, like, they they still gave us that little kind of, uh, I remember um, the head of the school saying, give them a big Mount Joy welcome, and I got on the microphone and I said, that is exactly what I don't want. I don't know what a Mount Joy welcome is, but I don't want it. I'm telling you now, I don't want anything to do with that. Um, But they actually, you know what, once we got stuck into it, once we gave them a little bit of stick as well, like, and, you know, rubbed them up and all that kind of stuff, sent them up in front of their friends and give them a bit of slagging or not do you know what they loved it they loved it that they were just treated at face value like I would treat any other comedy audience so it turned from what could have been potentially a negative experience and um, potentially the worst gig of your life it turned into one of my my favourite comedy experiences of yeah because
2: as you're talking about knowing your, knowing your audience and knowing your crowd I mean sometimes I often wonder if you're doing that gig how do you relate to somebody who's locked up behind bars you know it's not like so did you see that thing oh no no actually we can't do that but um, yeah I'm sure it's a good test a a good gig to have under your belt
1: yeah, absolutely. And you know what it is? I like to I like to host. It's my favorite thing to do. I like to host. I like to MC gigs, and you get used to talking to the crowd, not bringing material and jokes with you, but talking to the crowd and creating the humor based on what's in front of you. And that's where those kind of skills paid off because I was able to pick lads out of the crowd and, as I say, send them up in front of their mates, and that meant that they all walked away from that gig having a bit of crack between themselves and you know remembering what was said about their their mates while they were there. So yeah very
2: very positive experience so after Mount Joy then are there any other ones that you you know when you go to when you're in the green room of the of the comedy clubs kind of going well let me tell you about this this tragedy that just happened <laughs> yeah. to me you know?
1: yeah. well listen I listen this Friday I'm going to be gigging with a great guy called Carl Spain Carl Spain's one of my favourite comedians on the on the circuit um, and a, a great great friend and he's he's held in very high high uh, esteem on the circuit, but Carl has a habit of stitching people up when he brings them on stage and every time Carl brings me on stage he brings me on exactly how I don't want to be brought on and he does it to wind me up and I remember the first time he did it, he said, this next act is a guy called Adam Burke, and he's from Bray County Wicklow, which of course is the hometown of Olympian Katie Taylor and then he says, and between him and Katie, I don't know who enjoys boxing the head off young ones more. Jeez. And I remember my jaw just hit the ground. I couldn't believe he'd said it. And he starts laughing and the audience start laughing. But then I have to shuffle on sheepishly and almost apologize and convince them that I'm not this terrible person. Like, And Carl does that every single time. No matter if I ask him to do it or not, he, he will always do that. So even when they're good gigs and set up to be good gigs... Carl likes to Carl throw that one it, in yeah. just to throw me off the scent as well you know what I mean yeah, Carl but,
2: it, a- but I mean like f- you know if you've just tuned in I guarantee you Adam is nowhere near that because you obviously work in uh, with uh, the young people in the, in, I, it,
1: I work in the same community that uh, Katie Taylor is actually from and uh, I work you know with the, the same people from the, the same estates and yeah I'm a youth worker so I'm yeah. all about community work. And that, that's, that's exactly the thing that would get me fired it couldn't <laughs> be further from what I am and that's why he does it and that's why he knows uh, the Oh, winds me up God. but again in the, you know, he's the loveliest guy and he does it in the loveliest way and I always know it's coming so I have to kind of find my feet very quickly when I'm with Carl you know. but thankfully this Friday when I'm gigging with him I'm hosting and he's not so I get to return the favour this week
2: you oh, know what I mean oh lovely <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. And, and then I suppose one, one last one that really springs to mind as well was I set up a, a website a few years ago and I thought that would be the the right thing to do because I was getting more and more gigs and I wanted to get my face out there but people started contacting me through the website and asking me to do gigs and I got asked to do this one particular gig in a venue that had never done comedy before Mm. so I sent them a list of all the things I needed I needed a stage I needed lighting I needed a microphone and amps and all the rest of it and uh, a space for the comedians a space for the audience and they said yep we have all that and we agreed the budget and all and um, all the comedians showed up on the night and this is look this is my naivety I should have went out and checked the venue before we went to actually do the gig on the night. But we showed up on the night and literally every single thing I had named on the list <laughs> was not there. They had no mic, None. no stage, no lights, no amps. And they asked us, would we do the gig from a DJ booth on a mezzanine level? And this was a free level venue with no play. Basically, they wanted us to do comedy as people on three different levels of a venue were just out enjoying their own night. So they wanted us to stand in the corner and do the funnies.
0: I
2: hope you Um, got got paid up front, did you?
1: um, Well, uh, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, We didn't get paid and we didn't do the gig. It was one of the rare times where I went back to the the, the venue owner and I said, well, there's a copy of the email. None of this stuff is here. So we're not in a position to do a gig because while that was going to be my worst gig I didn't think that was fair that was also going to be uh, the worst gig of four other comedians who ah I you should
2: booked. have let the slams to slaughter Adams. yeah, <laughs> yeah
1: this is, them, is so it I, I brought all the guys outside before I, I approached the venue and I said to the lads right this is what I'm going to ask you can we do this gig next week in my venue same deal but I'll have everything set up so we can have a, a smash night and they all said yeah and we pulled the gig so I think we dodged a bullet Matrix style on that one that was a back bend to dodge a bullet Come here. What, but, was it?
2: what did the, the organiser say to you when and you were like what's going on yeah this
1: is the worst thing about it the organizer said to me ah will you ever stop just get up there and do the funny that's a, a quote, that's a direct quote. Ah, just get up there and do the funnies. They wanted us just to crack on with it and do a gig from a DJ box where you couldn't really see us, to be honest with you. So it was just like, well, actually, no, we can't do the funnies because there's, there's nothing here for us to do the funnies on. So we took a step away from that one. But um, it was a, as I say, it was a bullet dodged. But definitely, um, when it comes to green room talk, I always cite that as one of the, one of the worst setups I've ever seen.
2: God Well that's a pretty, Yeah that's a pretty Bad one and Half the time It's usually always the, the venue with the Organisers that don't Really know what They're doing That leads to An absolute disaster But as you mentioned Friday you're gigging With Carl I know you're gigging With a few others Because well, you're Launching the uh, Bray Comedy Festival
1: yeah, that's it. Yeah, I've got Carl Spain and um, Anya Martin and Tony Cantwell all coming out to Bray to do the launch night on Friday. They're giving me a dig out. They're all going to pop up on stage and do a few minutes of comedy. Just give people a taster of what's to come. And we're actually giving away a golden ticket on the night. So one lucky punter is going to get free access to all the gigs at Bray Comedy Festival next February.
2: That's a great show. Come here. Who are some of the acts that are going to be gigging next year as well?
1: Okay, so we're doing the big reveal on Friday, but I can already tell you that two of our biggest acts, well, beyond Enya, Enya's going to be there, and that's why she's on this lineup. as are Carl and Tony. But we've got Jason Byrne lined up as part of his national tour. So Jason's going to be popping out to Bray Comedy Festival for his first time. And then if you're a fan of I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, Andrew Maxwell's going to be popping out to us as well. And Andrew's actually going to be doing the first night of his new national tour at Bray Comedy Festival as well. So any fans of I'm a Celebrity can pop out and see Andrew in the flesh if he doesn't have like a flesh-eating disease yeah, after I'm die, a Celebrity. Uh, you can see him in the flesh uh, in Bray in February as well.
2: Lovely. Well, listen, Adam, very best of look at the festival next year. And um, where are tickets available, by the way, when they go on sale?
1: Yeah, you just go to BrayComedyFest.ie and you can get all your stuff or if you look up Bray Comedy Festival on, on Facebook we always put the links up there as well so it's, it's handy enough BrayComedyFest.ie has a direct link to all the gigs that are on offer.
2: Lovely. Adam Burke, thank you very much for popping on My Worst Gig this evening.
1: Thanks so much.